Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the third episode of Flyer Side Chats with Flyer Enterprises. Thanks for coming back and helping us celebrate our 20-year anniversary here at Flyer Enterprises. Once again, my name is Sam McKenzie. I'm the Vice President of Operations, and this time we're joined by the Chief Marketing Officer, Samara Perkinson. And once again, we have a very special guest. We have Christian Santiago on the podcast. Back in 2015, 2016, he helped transition um, into a CMO role that Samara is now using and the COO role, as well as helping us transition to a board of trustees. So Christian, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for the invitation. Super excited. So why don't you just kind of start off by telling us a little bit about yourself, maybe some of the things that you did at UD, where you live, places you eat, and things like that. Totally. Uh, I'm from Puerto Rico, born and raised. Uh, Take a lot of pride in that. I actually went to a Marinus High School, uh, which opened the doors to getting to UD as a Marinus University. So I've been in that space for a little bit. And um, reflecting on my, my early days in college, I actually wanted to be like in the FBI. Um, but then I took a criminal justice class, immediately realized it was not for me. <laughs> but I remember them talking about, hey, we'll take business majors because they understand, you know, organizations and how to, you know, understand numbers. And I was like, cool, I'll go down that route. Um, definitely paid off its dividends. Um, so I also started as a marketing entrepreneurship major, graduated with neither, <laughs> ended up graduating <laughs> Um, with an operations and supply chain major in 2016. Um, I lived in Founders, Marinist, College Park, which is probably the most underrated part of campus. Um, and then at Stone Mill, the 403 Stone Mill, affectionately known as the Puerto Rican house, um, also mm-hmm. known as the El Orgullo Latino house. It's the one right at the end of, uh, I cannot remember the name of that street right now, which is so bad. Or it's right at the end of one of the streets. Uh, so it was always cool. And Longview, like, Longview. Is it is it Longview? What's a, yeah? Well, Longview it, it is now. Someone, if you fact checked us, send us an email. <laughs> um, uh, well, it was the end of Longview, and it it, it was an amazing experience. Um, and then definitely where I went to BWK was my go-to Mongolian Grill. Always hit mm. the spot. Obviously, Archery Cafe, especially living in the neighborhood. Oh, yeah. um, the heavyweight just in the morning. It's a good bacon, egg, cheese type situation to get started. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those were, you know, where I ate, where I slept, uh, what did I do in between that, between eating and sleeping, I uh, was also in president's emissaries. I did student government and I think it was a good opportunity or like, I, I think I focused on understanding the university as a whole, which then translated back to FE and understanding, okay, where can FE plug in or who do we need to influence, uh, to make stuff happen for us. So I think that was kind of where, um, where I anchored. Awesome. So it seems like. Uh, you dipped your toes in a little bit of everything at Dayton while you were here, which is a good thing. So moving on with that, your path through FE was a little bit more untraditional than a lot of people. So can you tell us about the positions you were involved in? Uh, you did a little bit of everything in FE as well. Exactly. Uh, I like to think I'm like, a, you know, one of those five tool players in baseball. I, like, I only <laughs> have like two really good tools, but that's a different Utility man. Utility man, right? Um, so I got hired, I remember, I, I got hired by the end of my freshman year. I interviewed during finals week. Bizarre. I don't know who thought that was a good idea. <laughs> and I remember landing in Puerto Rico and getting the email. Um, hey, we want to offer you uh, a sales associate position in the plan. I'm being so excited and talking to my parents. And they were like, so you're going to make coffee? I'm like, sir, focus. <laughs> like, There's more going on in Flyer Enterprises. And when I started, it was actually, as many people who've been through FE know, uh, January, February is that big application season for management, exec applications. And I heard about them 
And I think I, I learned very early on what the importance of, I'm not going to say this was a risk, but the importance of putting yourself out there um, and decided, you know what, I'm just going to go for it. Best thing that happens, I meet some cool people. Sorry, I get the role. Worst thing that happens, I meet some cool people on the way, learn more about the organization. And I was lucky enough to be offered a, the general manager position at the blend, uh, <laughs> thanks to Andy Greninger. Uh, who took a risk on me. I'd been at the company, I think, for a month and a half before he made the official decision. And I was selected over a couple of veterans uh, and folks that, you know, as I kept meeting them in my uh, general manager role, I was like, why am I doing this? <laughs> like, they, they know this place better than I do. Um, so I think, you know, huge uh, thank you to Andy um, to, for, for the opportunity. And that that piece at least ended up being obviously a big anchor of my entire UD experience because if I had not had I not applied, I did, I would have done something. I don't think I would have just like sat on my couch, uh, but it could have looked very different in, in my time. So I think that's important at that moment. That's important in life. Like the only way you know you're not gonna get something is um, if you don't apply. That's the mm -hmm. only way that that's for sure. So definitely take those risks. Um, so then for my general manager days, um, moved on my sophomore junior year to be president of coffee awesome opportunity as folks who've been in that role know to bring different functions together. Uh, and then I actually went for the CEO role, did not get it. Uh, I'm actually not sure if either of you have a similar a similar situation, but I, I share that because it also became an important anchor of what I decided to do with the president of business development role in my time at UD. Um, so instead of CEO, went for president of business development. And I think I'm very, looking back at it, very proud of the work um, that we did, and when I say we were the, all the other people around me in that time, um, and how well, how we moved the company um, along. So that's really really exciting. Yeah, I think that's that's really impressive. You're able to just get up just one month in, and then get the GM position. It's pretty crazy. I know. Did either of you have like similar paths, or was it the classic? You know, get hired in August, and then each year you you go up the ranks. Mine was interesting because I got hired the end of my freshman year, so in April. Um, so I trained a little bit, and then over the summer, I practically forgot everything. Um, and then came back, and I remember talking to the operations manager at the time, Laura Harris, about um, potentially applying for OM there, or at Art Street, sorry, I didn't mention that. Um, but uh, yeah, so I talked to her about potentially being the OM at Art Street, and she was like, yeah, do it. And I'm like, I feel like I don't know half of the things that go on in here. I don't know what needs to be clean. So I just remember uh, talking to a bunch of different people who had been in different roles. And then eventually I thought, you know what, why not? Like, I'll learn it eventually. Um, it'll be a good experience. And I ended up getting it. Uh, unfortunately, last year, Art Street was cut down or was closed the entire year. Um, so I didn't have as much of an opportunity to work in the OM role as I had hoped. But it was still kind of a good experience. Just, I mean, like you said, just putting yourself out there and, and um, even just being considered was good experience and even just interviewing as well. Yeah. What about you, Samara? Um, I had kind of a similar path as Sam. I was hired at the end of my freshman year in April as well at the galley. What was the galley? What um, was the galley? I feel we, we need like voiceovers of the galleys now uh, fly by. I know. Uh, I know. Uh, general managers are now known as operations <laughs> managers. Um, so I worked for a little bit and then went home for the summer, came back but knew immediately I wanted to be involved. So I was constantly asking my management team things that I could do. I was covering shifts. I felt like I was always, my roommates were always like, you are always at the galley. If you needed to find me, that's where I was. 
Um, so I took on, I helped out our product manager at the time, Hayden, and started purchasing milk every week, um, two times a week, getting on the phone, putting in the order, and then going to get it. Super fun. Um, and then at the end of that year, around like March, when management applications came out, I knew that I wanted to do something and I was biased and wanted to stay at the galley. How could you not want to stay at your home division? (laughs) Of course. Um, Of course. So I applied for the director of marketing and human resources position, which was actually created that year at all of the divisions. Well, most of them, not all of them. Um, basically because before someone was doing all of the marketing for all of the DSJV divisions and it just um, wasn't conventional and wasn't giving enough attention to each individual division. So I ended up getting that position, which was really exciting. Unfortunately, that was COVID year. So I didn't get to do much. I did hire people, but they didn't really work, which is kind of funny. Hey, but hiring people is important. You can tell your your next employer i hired multiple people and they'll be like mm. okay so you, you you at least know how things work so that, that's you so at least you hired folks yeah and they did stick with it and now they're still working there so that's a good thing there we go, there we go. <laughs> um and then just from working through covid with my management team i knew again that i just wanted more that i could do more i could push myself more so i applied for the chief marketing officer role and that's where i sit now and i love my team um and it's really exciting. I love it. There we go. Yeah, you got lucky there. I didn't get to hire anyone <laughs> when I was <laughs> at Art Street. I like kind of the other end of the interview. It's a lot less uh, stressful, I feel like. Right. Like, what's your, if you could be a sandwich, which sandwich would you be? It's <laughs> yeah. like, no, I, was, I didn't pay attention in Art History 101. I don't know the difference between Van Gogh and Picasso. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so, Christian, as uh, president of coffee, did you have a favorite project in particular that you worked on? Definitely. Uh, and it was just a one time project thing, developing the team and, and bringing all the functions together. So not sure kind of if this has changed. But when I was president of coffee, I had um, both a general manager for the Blend the Bun Express. Uh, finance manager for the Blend of Bun Express and a joint director of marketing, a joint human resources officer. And my one of my favorite tests was right at the beginning. I hired folks that I knew really well. I hired folks that I had never met before interviews. Uh, and we focused on like what what does it take to make a great set of coffee divisions, a great blend, great blend, blend express experience for our employees, for our customers. And working through kind of that vision mission process, I, it's, it's one of those feelings I never forget. Once kind of everyone had done their own individual work and we put it all together on a whiteboard and everything actually came together really well. It's like everyone had the same type of ideas around like we need to make sure that our baristas are prepared. We need to make sure that our baristas are engaged in their own way for their own uh, subject area. That was an awesome feeling. And I remember looking, it's like mind blown, <laughs> like, wow, we actually made something happen. Uh, and then seeing that leadership team work with the baristas, it was almost like they were doing the exact same work we did as a, as a leadership team, but with their, with folks who were interested in their different areas. Uh, and then seeing them collaborate and come together, work on different projects. I think it was just exciting because it felt like there was real buy-in. It felt like we are you know, 90% of us are here to, you know, make coffee and do some projects, do some experiential learning uh, to grow our our skill set. I think that piece was super exciting. And I and 
when I think back at my Flyer Enterprise experience, that's something I always take with me. That that's the those are the proud moments. Obviously, it's very fun to talk about increasing revenue, increasing profit, what you need to do in in real in you know interviews and say like I can drive business impact. Um, but I think the people impact is what really stuck with me for that role. Mm-hmm. I think that's what kind of separates FE from um, not just like other jobs on campus, but I feel like anywhere else is just the people. It's just fun to work with people, make friends, and things like that. Exactly. We had um, we had what, what we we call it LTC after dark. It was like the couple of people who like were really really in the weeds of FE. We would stay <laughs> at the blend after midnight after the folks at the LTC had gone out. We would just call it that. And I'm pretty sure we designed like business plans, <laughs> like whole business <laughs> plans between like midnight and two a.m. several times. Um, so I totally agree on the on people being a huge part of FE. Yeah, that's awesome. And I also think it's super important to learn how to work with your friends and lead your friends. That's been really pivotal in my experience. Um, Leading a team, but definitely leading your friends can be a different task as well. Leading your friends and leading uh, folks who are older than you, even by a year, like, wait, you're a junior telling me a senior what to do. (laughs) I I ran into that a few times and it was, it was, it was tough. And I agree it helps you build, for me, at least it helped me build a bit, bit of thick skin it's almost like it's not personal. It's not about me. It's about a lot of other dynamics going on. Um, and so like, but let's make sure that we tackle and we can move forward to it. So, t- so totally agree. Right. Uh, so in your time at Dayton and in FE, you guys drove a lot of changes within the organization. So can you tell us a little bit about the decision to make the chief marketing officer role and the chief operating officer role? Yeah, of course. The I think the first context, which is important, is is not getting the CEO role. I remember I had this sort of grand plans after like two and a half years in FE. It's like we if we do this and this and this and this, uh, and from the CEO role, it's going to be easier. Uh, we'll make a better fire enterprises. Um, I didn't get the CEO role, uh, and I had two options really at the moment. I could either a leave FE and go do something else during my last year on campus. Yeah, right. It's like there's no no way I was going to do that, um, <laughs> or b stick around. And the president of business development role had always been a little bit of a make your own experience type role, mm-hmm. mostly based on what the business needed. So the couple of years before I took on it, it was really focused on new divisions. Uh, that's when we launched Heavy Catering. That's when we launched a jury box. And we're doing some other exploration. Uh, the year that I took the role, there was no real opportunity in the horizon for new divisions, just based on the university or relationships and whatnot. So I decided to almost make it like, hey, what can I focus on to like support our operational managers and general managers and give some support to our directors of marketing. Um, and I think that the core came in not just doing both for the sake of doing both. Like I didn't go into the role saying, I'm gonna develop these two roles because I want that's my legacy. I said, mm-hmm. hey, both of these types of managers need more support. Uh, how can we give them more support? And where I tried to anchor the, the present business development role is the importance of those two functions actually being very aligned. Um, let's take Stu's, for example. If the director of marketing at Stu's is telling everyone, hey, we're the most convenient um, shop on campus and we have the most variety of products. Great marketing message. 99% of people who worked at Stu's would agree. But if the operations manager cannot stock, cannot have the variety of food, customers gonna walk in and be like, hey, I wanted, you know, the hot fire Cheetos today, but you only got the regular, what's going on? That would create a bad experience. So I really focus on 
helping them understand, hey, you actually need to be attached at the hip in how you're talking about the vision because you need to market what you, what you can actually deliver on and then you need to deliver on what's being marketed. Um, and I think after that year, focusing so much on both groups, it was a joint executive team, team decision. I didn't just like wake up and say like, we're making two roles. <laughs> Uh, there was a joint executive team decision that it was worth at least trying one more year of giving these two rules uh, more bandwidth and scope because we accomplished a lot, but there was so much left on the table. Um, and then that's when, you know, two, two folks that, that I really enjoyed working with, Matt Higgins and Gabby Castaldo, they were the first COO and CMO, respectively. And I think that opportunity to like split was like really cool. But then somehow I, I believe that you were involved or like somehow helped join two roles which is the opposite of what i did what i did so i'd love to hear a bit more about how you approach that yeah so i kind of feel like now that i think about it i went through that twice so i talked about before how there was one director of marketing for all of dsgb when i was talking with nikki shanks that year that was the director of marketing um i just saw how overstretched she was like she she was spread pretty thin there and so getting that feedback from her. I think she also translated that back to her exec team and they created that DMHR role at most of the divisions. So director of marketing and human resources. Um, and I think with that in mind, it was just, again, like aligning more of what they needed for the specific division. So how do you combine the personable uniqueness of each division? You have to tie that to your employees. So the people hiring those employees should be translating that same message to all their customers. That's what I thought going into that role. Um, and then I wasn't involved in this and I know a lot of people might be a little disappointed, but there is no longer any churro, no churro, no churros. Oh no. So who, what, um, where do the people go? So <laughs> I, as chief marketing officer, I kind of do both roles as well. I do the marketing for the core Instagram and the corporate um, marketing strategy, but I also handle hiring, um, firing, sadly, all of those nitty gritty things that someone has to do. But I honestly think translating from a DMHR role to the CMO role, then it made more sense and it was easier. And we made the change to where all of those DMHRs at every division can now look through the applications and it's not just one person. Again, I think that really helps because they're looking for specific things. And for one person, it was really hard to figure out the culture of each division, especially as it changes pretty much. It stays consistent, but with new management is going to come some changes within the culture. So. Um, those DMHRs looking through those applications has really helped cultivate their culture and formulate a culture that they're looking for each year. No, I, I like that approach um, uh, of almost like the the people person focusing on both the, the customers and the employees. Um, but if you could sw- if you could wave a magic wand, would you keep the roles together or would you separate them next year? Mm. And then and you, you won't be held accountable to the question. I think I would keep it. I like it. Um, and I think... Like I said, it would be a good transition for current DMHRs who are looking for an executive role to take on because they're used to it. There we go. Hot takes during Firefly Chains. I love it. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So, Christian, I know you mentioned um, just kind of being with the people and hiring your team, but uh, throughout your whole time in FE leadership, exec and low, 
Um, what would you say was your favorite experience over your time? Yeah, I, I would say, I'll say favorite memory, favorite experience. Favorite memory was when I worked really closely with Gabby Castaldo, who was DM of Coffee, and Brian Kiefer, who was CFO um, at the Blend Express. And when they got promoted to their executive positions, that feeling of having worked really closely with them to prepare them for that opportunity and them getting it was really, really rewarding and seeing like these people have grown so much and they've driven so much value and to have them in a sense join me because it was going to be my second year exec, join me as an, on the executive team was a feeling bar none. Favorite uh, uh, experiences, uh, I assume, well, I don't know if you guys got to visit other campuses, I got to the opportunity to go to Loyola uh, and to Georgetown and to see how other universities are managing their student-run businesses. Let's get a free trip to like pretty cool cities. We went to DC and Chicago, can't complain about that. And, and those were really cool to like get to know them, see the same type of drive in. But I think on the other side, also see what made FE even more unique. Because uh, mm -hmm. my takeaway from those was that they were giving it, you know, really good momentum, really good value, but it was very uh, like the top five, six people we're really giving it all the love versus an FE, I would argue that, you know, 85%, 80-85% of employees, uh, regardless of the role, are working to make FE a better place and their division a better place every single day. Um, so that was, uh, that was a really cool experience to visit some other student-run businesses. That's awesome. I know Samara's been in contact with some people from Georgetown. Is it? We haven't been able to visit uh, yet. Yeah. So. We, Effie uh, actually joined the Student Run Business Association this year, which is really oh, cool. exciting. So we have a couple, like a little bit more exposure to other student run businesses across the country and some more contacts. So hopefully we all can get together at some point. I know they used to. Um, but actually, Christian, out, over the summer, there was an intern. I interned with Google. Um, I heard. Know, I, I, yeah. I heard that you were here. Um. And KI was one of the interns as well. I think she was in the Canada office and she works at the Corp, which is Georgetown student run business. So when I was just meeting with her one day, we started chatting and I was like, you know what I'm talking no about. You yes. get it. You, you get know, it. You know what it means <laughs> to order 12 gallons of milk twice a week. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and she was actually the, basically what their form of a president um, at the time at one of their, they call them services instead of divisions. So exchanging stories there was so fun. And I right. definitely took that and ran to kind of connect our teams. And we've been in contact with them. They're a great um, company to emulate and kind of use as a model as they've grown so big over the, over the years. So that was a really cool thing to connect on because so many people don't, don't quite understand. So when you meet mm -hmm. someone who does, yeah, it's like it's, we like we actually ran a whole business. Like if we <laughs> if we made bad decisions, like it would make bad this like bad experiences for others. So I I totally hear that. Like if you didn't order the milk, no milkshakes. <laughs> if you didn't if you if you didn't order the milk, no milkshakes. Very disappointing <laughs> for a lot of people involved. Yes, yes, for sure. Christian, with everything that you're doing, you've recently also been appointed uh, to a seat on the UD Board of Trustees as well as a very young alumni. Um, congrats. That's super exciting. Thank you. Have you found that your involvement with FE, even like years ago, as well as your professional experience prepared you to participate in such a esteemed group? Yeah. I, whenever I'll get asked a question, like, did FE prepare you for this? Like 99% of the time, the answer will be yes. <laughs> uh, I think with the board, uh, so 
I, I'm appointed through a newly created position. So it's called a recent alumni trustee. It is so it, there will be two uh, recent alumni on the board uh, that graduated between three and eight years out. So there will be a very uh, a much fresher perspective, what we can call it, um, on like how well the student experience is and that immediate transition to, uh, to the quote unquote real world. From a, well, how did FE help me? I think first, as you all know very well, there's quarterly board meetings that we had to prepare for. Mm. And I learned the things to do and the things not to do from, from some of the board members. Like some of them would really push us really hard in a really good way on like, what is FE really here for? Um, and what that push did for us was understand what is our overall strategy? What do we wanna be in? And our situation really was focused on like the one, two year time frame, but realistically would be focused like a five, 10 year time frame. Uh, so I'm now taking that with me to the board and pushing different uh, committees that I sit on. I sit on athletics, uh, student life and uh, governance nominating committee. And really pushing like, you know, what do we want the board trustees to look like five, 10 years from now? Um, in the athletics department, what do we want to be known as, as an institution? Because obviously we have an amazing basketball team, um, but what can we do for all the other teams involved as well? Uh, so I learned really good things to do. I learned things not to do. Um, there was a board member who once asked, I, I think we were trying to figure out why revenue was decreasing in one of our divisions and he, and then how do we generate new opportunities? And the board member said something to the extent of, have you looked in people's trash cans to see what they're eating? Um, and I was just so perplexed by, <laughs> by the comment. Like, well, you have to stay serious in the moment. You can't just like bust out laughing. I How do you even like, respond to that? Right? I can't remember. <laughs> Someone smarter than me responded for sure. Uh, but I think it was, it was almost a sign of like, all right, it doesn't seem like you're really engaged. You're just kind of just going like with whatever your hunch reaction is to, to the conversation rather than, uh, I think the intentionality of the space you're taking, uh, the, the FE board, I think it's probably like max, what, 12, 15 people nowadays, uh, but the UD board is 40 and close to 40 and all of them very accomplished, long careers across multiple industries. Um, so, you know, so, you know, they're going to come in ready. So almost for me, not that I, not that I felt like this so far, but no, I, when I talk, I'll get listened to by minimum because I'm like, I, I, I bring the average age down <laughs> significantly <laughs> for, for the group. Uh, so I think those experiences and going through that enterprises definitely helps me understand how to show up and almost also know where not to pick. Like telling an executive team to go check trash cans is very operational, very tactical piece uh, versus what's your high level strategy? Why do we want to open this division again? I think those questions can really help move the needle for, for UD and, um, and then oh, help move the needle for UD. And I saw how it helped move the needle for fire enterprises. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Just to, I mean, having both sides of the experience on a board of trustees or just a board in general. Um, I think that's really cool. And I, and that's something again, that FE just like, you're not going to get that anywhere else. It seems like, um, no. it's just a different dynamic. No, and I think, you know, one thing I, looking back at it that I would encourage, you know, folks to do now um, is start to engage more one-on-one -on -one with those board members, right? Because I think if you try to understand them better, then you know a little bit better how, how they will show up and what are the areas that they care about. For example, that Bigford, um, amazing mentor when I was there, um, you know what you'll focus on, the blend, because it's 
20 feet away from where she sits. Obviously, she'll focus on the overall health of the business, but that's where, where she's at versus, um, you know, Dean Collier, he might be focusing on what's our brand, what's our reputation for Fly Enterprises, and how can we grow it, for example. Um, I know he's been talking about a lot, a lot about the the Davis Center, and they just became mm. the largest um, investment student managed investment fund in the U.S. So I can see him coming into the space um, and being like, "Hey, what are we gonna do like that for Flyer Enterprises?" Um, then, if you get to know him better, then you can show up better. It's like, "Hey, by the way, based on revenue with these new divisions, we're gonna be the third ranked Dean Collier. What are your thoughts?" Right, and that's like win-win for everyone involved. Um, so I think that piece is, is really important too. Absolutely. So what advice would you give for someone who's striving to follow in your footsteps, whether in FE or outside, um, and to kind of eventually hold a higher leadership position within the university? Yeah, um, create your own footsteps. Uh, I, I came to UD in a good way with like no expectations of what I wanted my experience to be. Like I knew it was going to be a really good environment for me to learn, for me to grow. But I, I didn't sit down and say, okay, if I'm not hired, by Flyer Enterprises by finals week when I get home, my experience <laughs> is ruined. Uh, so I think uh, being, you know, creating your own footsteps and knowing that you, sometimes you have to create it in the moment. There is no way that I would have thought, all right, I'm going to get hired the final, like the, after finals week and management applications are going to open and I'm going to apply. There's just no way that that could happen. Um, so, so be very intentional about that. Be very specific about the decisions and the, what they do for you as a person. Um, and that's where you want to invest your time. So you combine that with the openness to try different things. Um, so for example, towards the end of my uh, UD career, if we call it, um, I hadn't gotten exposure like student government. So I like went for a position there. I won because I was the only one, but I think people wouldn't know against me, which <laughs> I'm like, okay, you got some feelings. <laughs> like you, you know what, email. Um, and, and being open to and then that opened this other set of doors. So I think uh, with one being intentional, two being open, I think it's a good combination uh, to create your own footsteps. I would, I would never, not not recommend, uh, but I think my experience did a lot for me, and other people in my experience would have felt differently. And the same, the same for both of you, right? You've had your way to get to where you are today, um, and that and that path worked for you. It wouldn't have worked for anyone else because um, there's life isn't like a playbook. <laughs> there's not like hey at at the two year mark you have to do this and this and this, if, unless we're talking about like taking classes like you gotta graduate. Home. <laughs> um, but anything else like you know be open, be intentional, and um, you'll probably land where where you should be. Um, I have just one one more question on my end. Um, would you have done anything differently during your time in Nephi? I'm I'm thinking here for for the audience, not the audience that I go out. <laughs> no, I. I would argue that everything good and not so good that happened, because you know, Effie's an amazing experience, but, but folks know this takes blood, sweat, tears. There's a lot of arguments. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that happens that kind of makes you question, like, why am I even doing this again? Um, but I would have not had it any other way. I think, you know, five years out, I'm grateful I didn't get the CEO position. Um, because it taught me so much. I call it in my interviews, I call it my first corporate heartbreak. Uh, and being able to go through that and understand how to build that resilience early on in my career, I think it's going to pay dividends. Um, don't get me wrong. I hope that everything I apply for, I get. <laughs> but when the, ca if the case comes that it doesn't happen, I, I feel I built that muscle a little bit already. Um, so no, I would have not done anything differently because I feel 
at the outset, I pushed along all the different things that I wanted to push on for, for FE. That's awesome. I think just being able to adapt is, is something that you really have to learn. Cause yeah, like you said, you don't want to not get a position that you apply for. Um, but that, that's great that you uh, really enjoyed your time there. I mean, you took it, you took that no CEO and you ran with it. So I ran with it, but I think, it, you know, I, I ran with the, and, and first with the kind of the, the blessing of the other folks who were, cause that was a, a, a lot of, I think half of the exec team that year what had already been exec. Uh, so, I, and you know, their, their blessing and sort of their, you know, their, okay, yeah, keep doing that thing, Chris, uh, was really helpful because if they disagreed with me, that would have been its own whole, own whole set of conversations. But I think because we were able to build those deep relationships early on, they paid their dividends through throughout the year. Definitely. Okay. So I got one last question for you. Uh, we've asked our last couple of guests this too. Um, so as Effie's always trying to grow, if you could create one division with no limitations whatsoever, what would you do? Um, I'm going to, can I go back on saying that I wouldn't change anything about my experience? No. <laughs> the one thing that I pushed on that did not materialize, so it's not a division, but it, I'll, I'll call it a service similar to IT. My vision for the Heritage Center was actually to build it as a distribution center. So think oh. instead of for Samara having to order 12 gallons of milk every week, she would order, you know, 50 gallons of milk <laughs> every week. But then uh, you would have these little carts that would distribute them to our divisions with the with uh, two with two intentions. The first one um, from business impact was, uh, you know, drive economics. The more you order, the cheaper it'll be per unit. Um, but two very clear different experiential opportunity. We focus our roles and FEs assign a lot on, you know, day-to-day -day operations, marketing, sales, all that good stuff. Um, but I think that sort of operations and setting up whatever system we needed to set that up, I think that could have been a really good experience. But I think y'all did a better job with, uh, <laughs> with the space, making it into a coffee shop rather than like a building full of boxes. <laughs> boxes and large fridges, which is what it would have been. <laughs> Well, I'm going to be honest. I know firsthand one of our biggest issues right now is just lack of space. Uh, being in charge of FE storage right now and trying to figure out where we're going to put everything and our resale thing, uh, flyer finds that we started last year. Um, we're definitely looking for something like a distribution center would be perfect. There we go. Let, let me talk to a couple of people on the board of trustees. See if we, can, <laughs> we can get some minds rolling. Yeah, I that would, would say our... Our product managers would probably love that. They're probably all raising their eyebrows when they heard that so that they could just <laughs> go somewhere on campus and we didn't have to rely so much on the crazy supply chain right now. I love it. I love it. Well, Christian, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to our third episode. Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode for you as we continue to celebrate our 20 years of Flyer Enterprises. Um, thanks again, Christian, for joining us. No, Sam, so thank you both so much. And for alumni listening, hope to see your reunion weekend, 2022. More to come. <laughs> For sure. Awesome.